Free coronavirus we're on, but this is another one. I think overall we're on episode 41, and I'm really upset that we didn't drop in the I'm a man, I'm 40 last time. <laughs> that is too bad. Is uh, <laughs> my name is Chris. I'm joined as always by my co host, Mike. Hello, 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 sir. Yes. Hi there. How's it going? I'm a little winded from playing Ring Fit, which also delayed us recording, much to your chagrin. So. <laughs> I'm just glad it wasn't your 101st run through of Hades. I think I'm on 102, 103, but that was earlier today. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I, my wife actually purchased the Ring Fit, and then she promptly cut her finger. She cut her thumb while chopping food. So, oh, I thought the Ring Fit had injured her. I thought we had a lawsuit. No, no, it's nothing that exciting. It was uh. a slicing vegetables incident so she hasn't been able to use it yet but i've had three consecutive days of doing squats and uh, ring presses to defeat monsters which is at least so far more entertaining than it should be so okay my thought is if there's anything that slowly gives you experience and it visualizes that experience and stars and a bar and then every once in a while it rewards you with hey you're a new level i'm a sucker for that stuff so Right. I think we've we've well established that on this on this podcast. So tell me about Ring Fit, because I don't really know anything about it. Um, and I'm guessing maybe some people listening don't either. Is it a standalone? Is it is it with a particular uh, console? Like, how does it work? Yep. It's Nintendo Switch. It's been out for a while. And I had the the Wii Fit way back in the day, which was that balance board thing. Yep. And use that. That got boring pretty quickly. Uh, it, it just wasn't that much interesting you could do with it. So I had seen the Ring Fit Adventure. I saw people posting videos and stuff about it. I watched a YouTube review of what it does. Thought it was interesting and was going to buy it earlier in the year. And then with COVID and everything, it just sort of got you know, shifted to the back burner. Plus, the other concern was I never connected the switch to my television. And that was a big mental hurdle for me of like, ah, I don't know if I'm ever going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> These are the things that cables, cables. Yeah. Mm-hmm. HDMI. What? Uh-huh. So anyway, so my wife was actually the one who pulled the trigger and bought it because we're looking at winter in Minnesota and gyms are closed and walking outside is going to be a bit of a hassle, if not downright impossible. So, uh, yeah, got the ring fit. So it comes with this device, this ring, and you connect one of the controllers to the ring from the switch and the other controller, they give you this leg strap. So you put the controller in there, sort of tourniquet around your left thigh, and then it reads the direction and the motion from the two controllers. And you can do things like squats, knee lifts, jogging in place, running in place. Bondage. Uh, I haven't got, I haven't unlocked that <laughs> level yet. 
so <laughs> sorry there was a lot of straps and stuff involved. a lot of, like, a lot of spoiler my, took spoiler my brain alert. somewhere <laughs> yeah there's handcuffs that was weird i don't know what those yeah. are for yet right so um yeah i mean we're just scratching the surface with it i'm on world two like still level six so i got a ways to go um, but yeah, you have to run in place, which just doesn't work in my brain because I'm, I don't run. I walk on the treadmill all the time and that's very comfortable and easy, but walking slash running in place doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to figure that out. Cause that's how you move in the world. And then every so often there's obstacles in your way. So you have to do things, either press in the ring or expand it out, which there's resistance either way. So it works out your upper body. And then from time to time, you run into monsters. And then you have these duels, almost like these Pokemon battles with the monsters. And you get to pick what exercises you want to do. So you can, so at the start of the game, I assume you unlock a lot more options. But right now I have four or five. It's like you can do squats or knee lifts or chair pose or the overhead press where you put the ring over your head and squeeze it and Mm -hmm. let go. And you do like 15 reps of that, and each rep attacks the monster, which is kind of a cool idea. And it has these visuals on screen where a fist or something comes down and like hits the monster and it does damage. Almost like you're playing a real Final Fantasy fight, like, but you have to exercise to, to make it happen. So it's a pretty cool idea. I would imagine it might get a little boring after a while. They have a lot of other non-adventure options where you can just do the exercises and it keeps track of how you're doing which maybe i'll check that out but so far i like the it's almost like a super mario world you go from one level to the next and it gives you xp along the way and it it at the end of each day when you're done the workout which i posted a few screenshots of it it um tells you all the different exercises you did that day which Mm -hmm. is kind of cool it keeps track of all that so like today it's like you've done over a hundred uh, overhead presses and so far since using this so it gives you a badge so it's so very rewarding like, in that way if it's like final fantasy does that mean if you do like uh you know inverted like you know handstand push up you get like a boss one of those crazy like 10 minute long boss summon or uh, uh special attack summons like Old One can only fantasy. hope. I thought you were going to go, do Do I get to ride a golden chocobo or something like that, which <laughs> yeah. that would also be pretty sweet. Uh, no, I mean, it just seems like you, if you do a particularly hard exercise, you should get some kind of sweet summon out of it. Well, it's funny because apparently the, I didn't even realize this, but the Switch has this infrared sensor that tries to uh, measure your, your heart rate, your pulse. And it's like, do you want to check your pulse? I'm like, sure. Knowing full well with my heartbeat, like, there's no way this thing's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> you are dead. So I put my thumb over it, and it's got this jagged heartbeat thing. It's, like, trying to do something. It reads it for 10, 15 seconds. Yeah. And it's like, you may want to try again. <laughs> See, like, doctor, immediately. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not going to try again. So at the end of your exercise, it's like, do you want to check your pulse? I'm like, nah, I'm not going to worry about it. <laughs> So that I, I found that pretty funny, but yeah, it's it's fun so far. And then Emily just came down. She's like, "I, I want to try that too." I was like, "I'm sure your thumb will heal, and we'll get you set up." So, I didn't realize the thumb was so integral to to using it. Well, you got to squeeze it and Mm-mm. pull it apart. And she sliced her thumb pretty well, like actually sliced through the nail. So yeah, dope. 
she's she's on the IR for for a few days. Gotcha. Well, anyway, that's been that's been well. It's supposed to be our new toy, but it's been my new toy over the last three days. <laughs> Good. You're, I uh, my exercise well. has fallen off a uh, off a cliff, so I, I probably need it. But well, you're constructing now. Well, yeah, I am constructing. I, I don't know that that's enough uh, enough physical exercise in and of itself, but and. For our listeners, Mike is referring to uh, Rave Cave construction began Rave yesterday. Cave 1.0. Rave Cave 1.0, yes. Um, we have to back up. Yep, yeah, okay. Because last we spoke, you were getting ready for... Well, no, did you stream yet or did you did you have one stream? I'm trying to remember the last episode. Who knows? It's a time player. I had certainly streamed by the last time we okay. recorded. I don't but remember how many I had done at that point. But. You've had a good pace of doing two a week, kind of same night, same time. And uh, yeah, you are, you are building yourself a following. Uh, I mean, I kind of had a built-in following of, of Club Quarantine people. I'm not sure how much I've built outside of that. That will actually be one of the interesting questions as this goes on is, you know, if I start to build any audience outside of just, you know, my friends and, and CQ family, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's been really fun. I've watched a few of them interacted mm -hmm. with some of the, the CQ folks. Yeah. I think I'm a mod in your Twitch stream, which I, I mean, even did give you a sword. I'm not quite sure how to use that sword, but yeah, if I ever need to, I'll have to get in there, mix it up. So I, I don't want to bog down cause you know, it's not it's not that interesting for the listeners, but I don't know if you have the app on like a a computer that will let you do the full mod functions. Mm -hmm. There's like a sword button at the bottom. And once you hit that, you get a completely different view and wield all sorts of power. So watching it with one eye while playing Hades with the other eye is not that uh, not the way to mod. You're not a great moderator at that point. You're supposed to be looking out for, you know, abusive talk in the chat and bots coming and posting links and stuff like that. It's really been a stream of love so far. There's been a lot of love in the chat. There is a lot of love in the chat. There have been a few deletes from, from my other mods that are paying more attention than you, but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's uh, one of the, the nice things about doing stuff in this little corner of Twitch is that it is quite, different from what maybe some people are used to um if they've wandered into the chat for say you know ninja one time and vowed never to look at chat again it's it's a little different in the music streams so. yes and what i've been impressed by is you continuously changing your setup <laughs> which seems right. like a lot of work it is a lot of work and that's uh you know one of the, the main reasons that we are now constructing the rave cave, I think um, I was well aware heading into this that there can be a lot of prep to go into, like doing, I think, any stream. But especially, you know, I think if you're gaming, um, you know, you have the game, you know, you're going to play it like there's not that much to plan out in terms of what's happening in your stream, unless you're starting to get really sophisticated in terms of like, um, you know, having different types of content and whatnot in the middle of your stream. And some people do that. But when you're doing a music stream, you got to find new music. If you don't want to keep 
playing all the same things. If you're doing a DJ set, you got to figure out how all that music goes together. You got to figure out kind of how you want to mix it. Um, and that, those last two things were getting sorely neglected throughout most of my first few streams. They were always the part that I didn't have time to get to. And one of the reasons I wasn't having that time was on the day of the stream, I was always reconstructing a new, there was no place in my house upstairs to just leave up everything to, to stream. So whether it was in my bedroom, dining room, living room, cause we've done all these things, I, you know, I was always more or less setting up from scratch, which means setting up all those lights and setting up, you know, whatever I want people to see in front of me. And, and it's been a while, but I, I've been in your house a bunch of times and yep. each time you'd go live, I'm like, wait, where is he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's all these is... sort of unique angles. I'm like, Oh, he's, Oh, I see what he's doing. Okay. Right. He's there. Yeah. It is interesting to get to play with the camera, but again, you can you can suddenly lose two hours on just getting the camera in the right spot and then moving around little things so they're actually able to be seen and realizing like, oh, you know, with just this overhead light on, you can't really see that. And like trying to position a light so those things are lit up. And then I've run into it a couple times now that because of the time of the year, it gets dark here by five o'clock. And so when I'm setting up, It'll be daylight, and then when I'm streaming, it's dark, and like things look completely different, and like everything I planned isn't <laughs> not necessarily working. I I had the uh, my uh, outdoor abominable snowman decoration peeking in through the window for my first uh, cozy stream, and it looked amazing at like 3:30 in the afternoon, and by the time I streamed, it was just this glowing amorphous ball of light because it was like way overexposed compared to everything else going on and nobody could tell what it was so good idea it was a good idea it was really fun and it just didn't didn't come together but in the end i was spending a good couple of hours minimum getting everything set up testing that you know once i connect all the audio gear and whatnot that everything is working right and then on at least one stream even though i did all that and it you know pooped on me and there was fiddling with stuff for the first 10 minutes to get audio to work and blah, blah, blah. So what I decided I need to do to save me from myself is to construct a rave cave in the basement and have my more or less permanent setup there so that all I really have to do is carry my laptop and, you know, maybe like my audio interface that we're using to do this podcast down there, connect them and, and should be good to go. Maybe there's a few decorations you know maybe you move lando in and out i don't know but i just want a lando shrine it just needs to develop i <laughs> i mean i've been lighting the candle in front of lando multiple times i'm worried it's so. gonna catch on fire the one time i'm like that looks really hot <laughs> the frame's gonna melt <laughs> uh I, I think a lot of times the camera is a little bit deceiving when it comes to that stuff the last one i i set up these two little they're like silver or Christmas trees that are like maybe 12 to 15 inches tall. But the way I set them up behind something else and right next to me in the angle of the camera, like people thought I had my real Christmas tree and then two other giant trees. Uh, so you can, like, wow, booties is going really all out. <laughs> you can really fiddle with perspective. So I don't, I don't think it was as close as it looked. Are you doing like the fellowship of the ring where it's like Frodo's really sitting close to camera and Gandalf's like, you know, 12 uh, feet behind and stuff like that. 
You know, I was actually trying to mess with that perspective for the last cozy stream. I have a little abominable snowman ornament that like he's putting the star on top of the tree from from Rudolph. Right. And I wanted to use him and I have Will's got a a Harry Potter advent calendar Lego one. And so I was trying to position those things really close to the camera with the camera on the table so that it looked like they were huge and right in the foreground. Uh, The problem with that camera is it doesn't. You know, as most cameras do, it can't focus on all of that near field and me far away like it. Uh, they were just blurry. So oh, it, w- okay. it was a good idea that at least with my current $50 webcam was was not able to be pulled off. Well, so. if you subscribe, then, you know, you can get some some coins to upgrade. Right. Um so yeah, Rave Cave is under construction, being premiered hopefully this Wednesday night. Uh, I was waiting for you to do a stream from your kitchen and like while you're making drinks. <laughs> you stuff. know, it wouldn't be particularly original. Like a number of people have done kitchen streams during the pandemic. You know, fairly famous DJs have set up like on their kitchen island or uh, Seven Lions, who you're familiar with. You've listened to one of their albums on your album listening quest a while back i looked at that list and man that seems like a lifetime ago (laughs) right he he, uh does a fairly regular one with his wife and their people can't see me air quoting their friend uh in their kitchen where they're making brunch um and djing at the same time what about outdoor streams while slow cooking things that might be in your wheelhouse yeah that's a great idea for a summer stream i just got to figure out how to i actually had thought about um you know i have this weird sort of artist's shed in the in i the thought backyard. that's where the rave cave was going to be when you were talking about it i will i mean that would actually be a really cool idea it, it would probably get a little hot in there depending on the time of the year and whatnot or i'd have to open the windows and it'd be really loud for the neighbors so there might be some drawbacks but the big thing is you need a really strong internet connection and that would be getting pretty far from my router. So I would need to have some sort of extender to pull that off, but they're all good ideas. I, I definitely think a, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Zuckerberg did that ridiculous stream years ago now where he was smoking meats and it became like memes all over the oh, place. No. Cause he was like so awkward and robotic talking about smoking meat. So I should do a, a smoke and meats uh, DJ stream. Well, I was thinking you could take Rave Cave on the road, and I mean, Chad has a perfect basement for you know Rave Cave, and they, there could be a poison leaf set in the mix. Hey, we'll take Rave Cave wherever. However, we would have to test the internet connection because that's really the it will make or break any stream if if you dropping frames all over the place but I, I i like the idea i'd like to take it on the road like you know have a rv and just show up at different loyal listeners houses and throw down a <laughs> now what would you what would be your like we can get grant to paint the outside of the van right some kind of dj mixing dragon or something like that oh i think we just start mixing together all the things that are part of the stream into one big palette my first emotes are currently being reviewed right now so nice. there's a gandalf emote have you, you haven't done a gandalf stream yet i which... yeah but you, that's coming rave no, k 1.0 might have to be hosted by gandalf <laughs> i think if i hit some kind of uh 
milestone, whether it's having a certain number of listeners concurrently in the stream or a certain number of subscribers, I think I'm going to need to do some sort of, you know, extended Gandalf set. I don't know if I'm up for a 12 hour challenge yet, but. Well, what's up? What What's up? What would be a fellowship number? Would it be 12? Is that how many were in the fellowship? Uh, this is something that I should know, yeah, but I figured, I figured uh, you would just drop that knowledge on me right away. Yeah, I it's it's not coming to me right now how many anyway. people are in the original fellowship, but I don't really know a good tw- 12 number as it would relate to Twitch, but it, it doesn't matter. Right. Um, Gandalf's coming. Gandalf is, is probably bound to come. So there's a Gandalf emote. There is a uh, a. Uh, bs meter emote and then (laughs) i uh, you know in my uh ongoing learning things today when it comes to streaming uh i found out today literally today that i'm only allowed two emotes for tier one subscribers to begin with that like i have to get more subscribers to earn being able to have more emotes wow how do you use the how do i find the emotes because someone so, gifted me a sub for a month, which was Yeah, really nice. as a sub, hopefully they'll get approved. And by the next time you're in there, when you're in the chat and you hit that button for emotes, like there's always some Twitch universal ones that are there regardless of what stream you're in. And then most streamers, as like one of their rewards for subscribing, have their own special emotes. So when you click on that button, there should be ones for me. And they, if you're watching my stream, they're the top ones that, that pop up. It really is its own little culture. It's... It is. It's got its own language and norms, and I uh, try not to break them. Yeah, I was was messaging one of my friends uh, who's not a Twitch person either, and I was like, yeah, I have, you know, I'm up to like 15 subs, and she's like, subs? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, now. What what kind of weird S&M stuff is going on on Twitch? Second S&M reference. Right. uh, Fans listening at home. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, yes, so, yeah, I I have a a couple other emotes that are currently up there as Tier 2 and Tier 3 subscribers. Uh, That's the only place I was allowed to put them. I don't don't know that uh, anybody wants to subscribe to Tier 3 just to be able to get one emote, but... As soon as I earn the spots, I'll add them to the regular uh, tier. No, but it's been fun. I've been impressed with how well it sounds, and I've been very clear that I don't know a lot of nuance about the type of music that you're playing. And right. We've joked before about it's like Deep House and Trance and all these sub-genres that get really, really fragmented. But it sounds good. Like when you are – it's – like you'll even say on there, like, yeah, I didn't mix this ahead of time, so this is going to sound awesome. And like, I can't tell if it's <laughs> bad or not. So I'm like, right. I don't know what you're talking about. But I mean, things yeah. blend in one to the other, and you're usually streaming for two to three hours. Yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, two hours is kind of the the minimum for me, um, and I'll probably start to get longer and longer as there's more material and we find the days and if people show up but we'll see and don't switch to bourbon and don't switch to bourbon for sure (laughs) that way my lies madness without a doubt um so yeah no i uh i finally made myself sit down and like do some planning for the last stream where i had like 
you can, without getting too technical, when you're within the software that I'm using to, you know, play songs, you can add markers for where you want to come in or go out of songs. And it doesn't do it automatically for you, but then you at least have this visual point of this is where I wanted to leave this song and go into the next song and then well, yeah. try to get that lined up and whatnot. And You were requesting songs based on a specific beats per minute and kind of lining things up that way. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that part was kind of ridiculous uh, in hindsight because – I just I had a song I really wanted to play and for dance music it is very slow. It is 105 beats per minute, which is way down there. So then I needed songs to sort of slowly step up to about 120, which is where, you know, the bulk of my set started and I just didn't have anything, so I threw it out there and people made some nice suggestions and blah blah blah. And the way it worked out is like I, the whole reason I did it was to play this one song and I played it so early there were like four people there when it. So it was a lot of work to get from there to 120 for like four people to be like oh okay cool and, and you learned something that day. <laughs> yeah there's been a lot of uh, and you learn something that day when it comes to this but you know it's keeping uh keeping quarantine interesting is it feeling like work at all so a couple of people have asked me that, and my answer is, like, when I'm streaming, it doesn't feel like work. When I'm looking for music, it doesn't really feel like work. Uh, when I'm spending three hours putting a set together, it feels like work. And when I have music that I want and you realize, like, it doesn't exist anywhere that you can buy it and you spend, like, you know, 30 minutes looking through all the different ways you can purchase music trying to see if it's out there somewhere – that feels like work. <laughs> so streamlining some of that with Rave Cave and whatnot will hopefully start to cut down on some of what feels like too much work. You need to hire a producer. Uh, yeah, we're not quite there yet. I mean, we've we've got some money flowing in right now, but it will pretty much just kind of cover buying the music at, at this point. So. Very cool. So you just plan to do this now Wednesday, Saturday nights, sort of indefinitely or until Dave come back, comes back? I or? think Wednesday will be a fixture because Dave doesn't – well, at least for the time being, Wednesday will be a fixture. Um, I might one day have a conflict with that if the world ever comes back to normal. But Saturdays, Dave would usually be streaming. So I wouldn't really want to stream Saturday night because most of my – audience is also going to be watching that some of them are mods for dave so they're kind of obligated to be well there. and you'd want to be watching that too and be right and that people. that is one thing i've noticed is like over the last couple of weeks as i'm spending so much time getting ready for uh streaming and finding music is i have not watched that many people stream and actually watching people stream is when I find a lot of the songs that I want to play. Is, you know, you hear somebody play it and you shazam it and you're like, ooh, I want I want that song. And mm-hmm. I'm not getting that input right now. So, yeah, I definitely want to be watching and, and joining in as well. So it might be that I move to like earlier during the day on Saturdays or I don't know. Well, I feel like we're still playing with things. And there's still like I don't intend to just do what I've been doing in terms of like playing. Well, we did do the one beginning of the the drunksgiving stream was like just yeah. people's song selections and we just played <laughs> off of spotify essentially what people wanted to hear that's probably the most active i was in chat because yeah <laughs> it was like what songs do you play to annoy people at the night before thanksgiving everyone goes to the same bar yep type of vibe 
So there was, <laughs> there were some pretty interesting tunes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I would like to do, I think we've talked about this before, but I'd like to do like the record room stream where I just, you know, play records that I really like and talk a little bit about why I like this song or that song or, you know, we've talked about it before, but the Turd Ferguson stream, or at least part of a stream needs to happen. So um, I plan for more variety than there has been so far. I think I messaged you this before that, um, you know, there's video game variety streamers that do different things on different days or even multiple things during the same day. I, w- I would like to be a music stream variety streamer if, if anybody cares and, and, and wants to uh, watch it. So. I mean, what sounds better than Turd Ferguson Sundays? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think it sounds great. And you still like right at noon. <laughs> Some people go to church service. Some right? people come to see Turd Ferguson with Budius. Exactly. So uh, it'll be interesting to see if anybody cares about that. I hope, again, that will kind of grow my audience a little bit beyond just as much as I love the club quarantine people like they have a lot of people competing for their attention. Um, there's, you know, quite a few of us that are all club quarantine viewers that are also streaming. So, you know, we're all cannibalizing each other's streams to a certain extent um, when we happen to be on at the same time and whatnot. So. Well, and the vibe seems to be positive where it's like you're rating each other's streams and yep. sort of setting up like you do this two hour block, then we'll do that person's two hour block. And it seems cooperative, at, at least from an outsider looking in. Yeah, no, for sure. Or collaborative. But- that's a better word. Again, there's just there's a lot of us. So I've been plotting with my uh, friend who's also a mod on Club Quarantine of trying to have like a Club Quarantine family festival, like having because there's got to be a dozen of us at the very least that are doing this and like kind of the leading up to Dave returning, like having a weekend long, like, you know, kind of what we were doing last Saturday of like somebody streaming for two to three and then rating the next person and so on and so on and just do it all weekend long um because there's a lot of us so and but again we're gonna open up once things you know come back to normal in 2024 right know, big three-day long festival at red rocks yeah right. yeah for sure uh, but yeah again like that's obviously if there's a dozen of us that's more people than there are nights of the week so there's just there's always going to be some even when we were playing that thing on saturday some other people we knew were doing a different um like fundraising thing and so we were kind of like well should we do this and like compete against them or should we just support them and you know i just kind of said to the to the other people i was like look if we're gonna worry about going up against other people or not taking away from them like that's like there will never be a time <laughs> to, to do like you know eight to ten hours of people playing we'll always be conflicting so that's why it would be good to start to figure out some things that I do that bring in some new people that aren't necessarily. I mean, I hope to bring them to Club Quarantine also, but, uh, you know, if they right. gravitate towards something else that I'm doing, that would be good for having more of an audience to, despite whoever else happens to be streaming at the same time. Yeah, the the streaming culture, it's I've mostly been exposed to it with video games, watching people play Hearthstone and or D&D or other mm-hmm. tabletop role-playing games. And 
it seems like I tried to dabble in that a few years ago, and it just feels now like I've I missed that window. <laughs> yeah, and never put in nearly the time you need to to make it work. Because I definitely there's some people like oh that's easy you play video games and build an audience like it's not easy it's very much a different skill set like even being a DJ you could be an awesome DJ but if you're not a good streamer that it's not gonna work um, you it's a different set of skills where building an audience engaging with people being consistent being reliable it takes a lot of time and I don't envy the folks that put in these. 8, 10, 12 hour days streaming games, editing clips, posting them. And even if they have staff, it's like, I don't want to play video games eight hours a day. Like <laughs> you probably don't want to DJ eight hours a day. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people look at it from the outside and think, hey, like that's not a job. Like they're just getting to play games and people are paying them money. That's ridiculous. Or people that want to do it just think, oh, it'll be so awesome. Like, you know, I just play my favorite games and people watch and I get paid. And like, I think anybody that's doing it, like you and I have talked about this behind the scenes of like, you know, there's always this calculus of like the best thing you should be doing for attracting an audience. And I'm very dedicated to, I'm not getting into that. Like, I'm going to do what's fun for me. And if like, people like it and it allows me to to keep doing this great but i don't want to fall into that trap of like getting worried about clicks views whatever however we want to want to talk about it but even if you don't do that like just to try to do it well and be entertaining like it takes skills and i you know i think it remains to be seen if i really have those skills or not um at least to attract a, a big audience but yeah anybody that thinks there's not a lot of work going into it um is sorely sorely mistaken <laughs> and it's also something you need to get into i think with those clear eyes and also a fair amount of resilience mm -hmm. and i just speak about someone who the other podcast i run i've been running three or four years and i've really made pushes from time to time to make it more consistent and okay, I'm going to release two episodes a month. And it's like these kind of in-depth interviews with folks. And I'll do a lot of research ahead of time. If like somebody's an author, I'll read their book and write up questions. And mm -hmm. you like, I'm doing it for myself because it's interesting, but at the same time you want it to gain some traction you want people to talk about it or share it. And then it's like, you put all this time and effort into reaching out to somebody, setting up an interview, preparing, recording it, editing, putting it out there, kind of promoting it. And it just sort of lands with a thud. And then <laughs> eight, three hours later, it's like, well, that's over. And right. that is a hard feeling to, to deal with and to just continuously bump your head against that wall. If your goal is, well, I need to gain more followers or I need to become more, you know, noteworthy Instead of like, well, this is a hobby and I'm doing it for fun. Yep. And I think the challenge is now it was just easier to know what your hobbies were and just be content with having them be hobbies. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, well, are you monetizing your hobby? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, I think there's a lot, as we've been talking about, um, you know, messaging here and there, I think there's a lot of pitfalls in that. Yeah. Like there's a lot of ways to sort of go astray and, so that's why I've really wanted to come into it of like, 
I, you know, staying true to like what I think is fun and what I think is an enjoyable and seeing if people, you know, care about that. And if they don't, at least I'm having fun for that time. And then I can like move on to other things that I also think are fun if it's not working. Cause you know, there is work involved. Um, and I think the other thing I was thinking about too, and I don't want to sound like Mr. I know, you know, how to create a successful stream because mine is modestly successful at best at this point. And I just kind of backed into it. And I, but I think the part of the backing into it that maybe if anybody happens to be listening and wants to do something similar is like what happened with me and what was different for me than I think a lot of people that try to just start streaming because it's something they want to do. And I did try to stream magic years ago. Oh like, yeah. I think we even talked about that way back when. Yeah. And, and mainly we had technical problems. We couldn't really do a live stream, but we recorded a YouTube video or two and whatnot. But we were going about it the wrong way in this one sense of because I've been trapped at home in the quarantine and listening to club quarantine and they're, you know, three and four nights a week and talking to all these people without really trying, I built a community. Like I built a bunch of people that knew me and I've sort of created this. It's not that I've created a persona, but I have a reputation within club quarantine of like, making jokes and you know occasionally making, brings the funny occasionally making dave mad because he reads my things out of context and <laughs> getting other people in trouble and and what so like I, you know people recognize me they know who i am within that community and so kind of when a big deal not really but when you know dave announced he was doing the or taking a break and I just kind of floated out there and stream like, Hey, you know, anybody want me to do this? Like I had a whole bunch of people that are like, yes, and I'll be a mod and blah, 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 blah. And so I think that, that there is a lesson in there about if this is something that you want to do, instead of worrying about diving right into your stream, I think spending time worrying about how you kind of become something within that community like something that some a person that people know and that you have kind of have something that they already enjoy about you before you try to be like hey i'm streaming tuesdays and thursdays on twitch come hang out with me so yeah that would be my one piece of advice based on me just totally doing it by luck <laughs> well you've invested a lot of time and energy into I mean, personally building a community because that was something that was important and fun for you. Mm -hmm. Yep. And a side benefit is of that goodwill and, and being a, a good person and kind of building bridges with folks all over the world is if you want to try to do something, then they might support you. Somebody, I think you've had various people help you with OBS and help you with Twitch yep. and yep. helping you with emotes and yep. like, Hey, I have this technical question. Can anybody help out? And, Absolutely. If you're doing that all on your own through YouTube tutorials or trial and error, that's a good way to just get burned out on like, oh, I don't know if this is worth it. Yeah, 100% agree. And again, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there for a second. I've got a son being super noisy in the background. I don't know if people can hear that or not. Is he yelling at Ben? He's he's gaming with Ben at all, and it's getting, getting loud in there. Um so I had a point about this, about people helping you out, but I lost it. We'll, we'll move on. I think folks get the idea. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where that goes. And if it goes just where it's at, then, I mean, that's cool too, if you're having fun. Yeah, I mean, as we talked about this, I think the very first time, and I, I swear, people, we will not spend 30 minutes on my stream every time we, we do this podcast. It's going <laughs> to be at now. least 45 minutes next time. We're going this, deep. We're really going to talk about Rave Cave 1.0. It's going to be awesome. This is not going to become the, uh, you know, Bootius's stream. Well, uh, well speaking of which, show. I, w- I was thinking of this, and I, I don't want to cut you off, but do, do your does your audience know about this podcast because we could use some listeners <laughs> yeah you know some of them do i i i, sh- I should sh- figure out a way to shout it out on stream to try to get more people over you should this mix way. in like five minute clips of us talking about the mandalorian <laughs> into your stream into a, into a deep set yeah, yeah deep yeah, set sure. it's just like me and you talking people are gonna be like wow this is really confusing <laughs> right. this is so new age what is this <laughs> It's a um, it's a DJ pod crossover. Yeah, it's never been yeah. done before, right? Um, but yeah, we we will not talk about this every single week like this. You should do that though. You should splice, like, cut out some audio from this. Have like these bootyish drops into your mix from time to time. Well, and bigger picture, I've I've already had a whole bunch of excuse me, audio that I wanted to to be able to like mix in or use. Like I wanted to like Ric Flair. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> no, uh, you know, this the Wednesday night has become ladies' night uh for reasons. And um I I'm I'm slightly uncomfortable with the entire concept and, and like how it potentially makes me come off. And so I really wanted to have the Dimitri Martin bit about um I forget what he calls it, but it's like how to to make every situation um, awkward, but that's not quite the right word. And and it's just basically a skit about attaching dot 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 ladies to like whatever <laughs> sentence you just immediately makes you sketchy to be like. <laughs> so he's like he's like help! I fell in a well, ladies. <laughs> he's like it's. It's just a hot tub with really high walls, ladies. <laughs> uh, and I always thought it was funny anyway. Um, so I'd, I, it would be nice to figure out how to cleanly mix things like that into the stream. I've got so a, a huge list of things like that that I need to, to figure out um, when it comes to all of this streaming Make a list. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, just trying to take care of one thing at a time. Emotes was the next thing, and I guess I guess I have some now. So. Well, you need a big whiteboard off camera on the rave cave so you <laughs> right. can keep keep track of all this stuff. Like you're plotting out some type of conspiracy just, just theory above the litter boxes that are right off screen to the right. <laughs> well, people are calling for the kitties. I mean, there is massive kitty fever. There the are a number of people that really and and I did get Sophie to make a brief appearance the one time, but uh, they are terrified of the the fog machine as you have witnessed it in person it shoots fog it shoots it in a color so like if you choose red it causes people to think they're on fire temporarily if they don't know that it's coming and it's also amazingly loud um so the cats are terrified and so now anytime that i just start to get out the stuff for a stream they're gone yeah, as soon as they hear one of those DJ lights come on where like the fan starts running, they're they're out of there and I don't see them until I'm done. 
because the fog might come out. So it's going to be hard to get them to appear, but we'll see. We'll see. What else is happening? We'll, uh, we'll, we'll put a button on that for now. Right. Uh, I don't know. Just uh, muddling through quarantine. Can you tell me why I'm so old manish about the Mandalorian? <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like a curmudgeon just asking questions. And so many other people are like, this is the best Star Wars ever. And I was like, well, it's okay. You know, we were talking about the trap when it comes to doing any sort of streaming or, or monetizing your hobby of starting to worry about your audience instead of worrying about what's fun in the first place. And I, I do think there's a trap when it comes to Star Wars that is true of anything that people are passionate about when it you know comes to these sort of things, which is you can just go too far down the path of analyzing everything and um, – you know, turning what is popcorn entertainment into, you know, great literature. So, I, I mean, I think you can enjoy The Mandalorian for what it is, which is fun, well done Star Wars, which has been in fairly short supply um, without getting too mad about... <laughs> <laughs> the stuff that you're getting mad about. And I, I mean, I feel it too. Like I would like to see it go in a different direction. I've said it to will after the last episode. I don't know how spoilery we want to get. I think at this point with, I mean, here's your spoiler warning. You can turn it off because we'll probably only talk for a few minutes about this. So yeah. if you haven't seen the episodes yet, then we'll, we'll see you next time. But if you have, then hang around. Yeah. So I felt like the first season did a great job of weaving little bits of, fun things that people knew into a simple but new story. So, you know, there were people here and there that you're like, oh, that's this and oh, that's that. Or, oh, they 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 closed this little, you know, loop of, you know, whatever. And that was fine. This season, as you well know, because it's annoying you a lot more than it is me, it has turned into a lot more of um, – a sequel to the two clone wars and rebels and other stuff. It feels like the Mandalorian has turned into Forrest Gump, just running around and it's like, Oh, Hey, there's John Lennon. And <laughs> he's just bouncing around doing fetch quests that really are quite ridiculous. And this last one from Ahsoka is like, Hey, go to this planet and then set him on a rock and maybe a Jedi is going to help you. And he's like, okay, that sounds fair. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what he does. It's like, all right, whatever. I mean, they're just going from point A to point B. And when they announced that Rosaria Dawson was going to be Ahsoka, I'm like, that's awesome. I, she's great. I've liked her in all kinds of things, including, including Clerks 2 and Rent. Uh, she's very entertaining. She's also in Daredevil, I believe, and a few other Marvel stuff. I'm not allowed to say on this podcast what my favorite line of hers is from Clerks. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna put a pin in that and move on. So like I was excited about that. I'm like that makes sense. And at the same time, it's like why is Ahsoka in the show? Like there's really no reason for it. And then you know she shows up and you know she did a good job as that character, but I just couldn't get out of my head the last. You know they set up this duel between her and this other woman, and. I know it's referencing the same type of material that 
Kill Bill reference, the yeah. samurai movies. Yeah. But it's like Kill Bill did it better. Mm-hmm. And I realize that's a movie, but it's like it's set up that villain. I mean, it had more time to do it, but like there wasn't the emotional weight that they were really shooting for with that, with that duel between her and this new character that we just met 17 minutes ago. Right. Plus, it didn't have the song. I kept waiting for the same song to play. <laughs> like, well, that would have been. Uh... I, I actually would have enjoyed that. I would have. I would have marked out for that. I'm like, if you're going to do the same thing, do right. the same thing. Um, so I don't know. It's like Ahsoka's in there, whatever. And then the Boba Fett stuff. It's like I, I of course, I'm a Boba Fett fan. I grew up with Star Wars. Like I love that character. I love the design. It's it's iconic. We need to find my like second grade Boba Fett costume that we made ourselves because it was pretty awesome. Nice. Like constructed out of cardboard. I need to ask mom for that picture. And She's got to have it somewhere. You pretty much knew that when that actor showed up at the at sort of the tail end of the first episode, it's like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's Boba Fett. And they're not just going to tease him to not show up. But when he shows up and then it's like, oh, wow, he's got the same ship. What has he been doing the past five to ten years? Why is he just hanging around? Why is he following the Mandalorian now? And something about the armor, okay, and now he's just going to beat the hell out of a bunch of stormtroopers, which is really cool. But it, it just, to me, watching it, it feels like they're taking these very popular characters and just playing with them in a sandbox, which maybe that's what people want. People seem to be really excited about that. I, And I enjoy it. Sort of, but at the same time, like, where's all this going? Because the first season had promised to be something else, where yeah, I, it could be it, its own show, and now right. it's like, oh, they're maybe they're going to introduce Admiral Th- or Gen- uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn, and maybe that'll lead to Ezra and Sabine. It's like I don't care. I don't want to see those people. Just be your own show. Yeah. So it's it's gotten to the point to me, which you know, I one of my big gripes about Star Wars movies in the past has been, you know. You have this huge galaxy and like the same three people keep mattering and the same three people are related to like everybody else that matters. It's incredibly small. Right. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this on one of the other episodes that people get nerdy about, you know, sort of the force and that bringing things together. But just from a storytelling perspective, like. I really, again, I liked it in the first season where like you were in this world that you knew, but it was a, it was a, it was a different character and it was very much a throwback to, for me, how original Star Wars felt. Like it, it had, I don't even quite know how to put it into words, but it had sort of that grit and feel and sort of uh, like, I don't know, sort of right on the line of like PG to almost PG 13 ish content at times. And I I liked it that he had his own story and I was fine with if it occasionally intersected with somebody interesting that you maybe would want to see from the other Star Wars movies. But I preferred it like that rather than being an extension of stories that Dave Filoni was already telling. And that seems like what we're getting to. And it, it also sort of seems like to me, like when you get really excited, like you have a say you're planning a D&D campaign and you have a lot of really fun ideas and you're really excited to get to them. And so you smash all of them into one campaign instead of like making six campaigns out of all your great ideas. That's kind of what it's starting to feel like for me. Like I feel like 
if over six seasons we had encountered some of these same stories, like th- that would feel more satisfying to me rather than in like in the space of three episodes to have had all of the cameos and people show up and let's go find Grand Admiral Thrawn. And it just it's it's been a bit much for me. Well, yeah, and there hasn't been any more development. And maybe this is the point of the show of just the Mandalorian. I mean, you never see his face anyway. It's just he's a a mechanism to do all this other stuff, which, again, it didn't seem like the first season was that. It was a little bit more about him. And maybe they figured, like, well, we have all the background we need. Now let's get to morphing this into a vessel to complete stories that we told in Clone Wars or Rebels or serve as a bridge to the other sequel trilogy that sort of ended like a mess and we can use some Disney Plus shows to fix that. I mean, this all seems to be headed toward like Luke being involved potentially or the Emperor being involved, which no, like, yeah, I'm sorry. I don't care. I don't want to see like a de-aged Luke or... Mark Hamill signed up for him teaching his Jedi Academy and he's going to be teaching a baby Yoda. Like I I'm over it. (laughs) Right. And maybe that makes me not a star Wars fan anymore, but do something else. Tell others, tell other stories. We're on the same page with this. And, um, you know, I don't know where it will. I, I, I mean, I think just sort of with any TV show, that lasts any amount of time, you often see this where like there's a creator of the show. They have a, a nice tight idea for kind of how the show is going to start and maybe even how the show is going to go because they've planned for like, you know, I don't think you start a lot of TV shows and you're like, well, I'm going to have 18 seasons to work with. Like, you know, I think you have a pretty tight narrative that you originally envisioned for in the show. And then if the show is successful and really popular, like this one is, then suddenly there's more seasons and suddenly there's new people writing and suddenly executives at Disney care about what's happening with the show. And they care about it for reasons that aren't just whether the show is good because there's marketing and we want toys and, you know, all the things that can kind of come together to sort of, lose the thread and you've seen it with so many shows that like starts great and then (laughs) has some bad seasons and then sometimes it comes back and it like finishes really strong and sometimes it just doesn't you know like i'm thinking of walking dead right now like i thought it was a great show for x number of seasons and then it just kind of yeah you know i didn't even watch last season or two i haven't in a while and and some of that was about me and my life and just kind of what i wanted to watch at the time but i just again i felt like you know when a show gets popular suddenly you know again you have to you have other people come in their right shows and so different shows have different voices and it's hard to keep that sort of cohesive narrative working which in the first season the mandalorian was kind of working because like there were some really different episodes, but they were really well done and it was really fun. But now it's like they're they're trying to tell the story. And to me, they're kind of trying to tell it in a hurry. And it's just I'm still really enjoying the show. Like, it's fun for me to watch with my son each week. But it's not really the direction that I would have wanted to go. I and, you know, if if our friend Grant is listening, just put your hands over your ears and, and do the la 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 for a minute. I 
didn't think that Clone Wars was very good. I don't enjoy it very much at all. And so to, to kind of have that become a big part of the story and similarly for Rebels. And so for that to start to become the story and for that person to be telling the story is a little bit worrying to me in terms of how much I'll continue to enjoy the show. But we'll see. There's I mean, there's so much of Clone Wars and Rebels that there's part parts of it that are really, really good. And I still think my, my favorite version of the Clone Wars was the original animated series um, that just had a couple of seasons. And then they changed to computer animation and introduced Ahsoka and all this stuff. So there's some really good storylines in Clone Wars and, and Rebels. But there's also really ridiculous stuff. Like they brought back Darth Maul and he literally had spider legs. And then he got those legs cut off. Then he had robot legs. And then he ended up fighting Obi-Wan on Tatooine. And it's it was just dumb. And people were like, oh, my God, that was amazing. That was so great to close that story. It's, <laughs> well, like, me, it's like, no, that story ended in episode one. Yeah, to me, it's like a it's a children's cartoon. And so, you know, does it have some good ideas and whatnot here and there? Sure. But, like, if you watch the episodes and, like, the writing and, like, what's going on, because Will and I sometimes, when we don't have anything else to do, or we'll go back and pick up where we last left off because we've never watched them all. And, like, they're cartoons. Like, the the plot holes and just ridiculous things that happen are fast and furious. And, and so, I, you know. Well, and now that's the show. Right. And, and, and again, that's kind of what I'm saying is like the it feels more like that, which is not surprising. You have one of the main people that's in charge of the show is the same person that was in charge of, of those. So, again, I hope that we'll get back to some of what I enjoyed more about The Mandalorian in the first place, um, that maybe we'll resolve whatever it is that <laughs> – he wants to finish up about well, Clone Wars and Rebels, but I guess that's the. And maybe we'll end on this. Is I, I don't know where. And part of this, I think, about not enjoying it in the moment is I can't just appreciate like, oh, that was cool. Or and there's there's things I like, like the, like Michael Bean's character, the gunslinger guy. Like he was fun. Like I like him as an actor. It was fun to see mm -hmm. him. I was like, I, I enjoyed that. I wish he didn't die so quickly mm -hmm. um but it's like okay if this is the direction the show is now going in well what what's the end game and how does it resolve and i always think the show has had a baby yoda or grogu problem because it's not so much about the mandalorian now it's it's about this child and getting that child from point a to point b and well when the child is no longer on the show then what does that mean? Is the show over? Mm -hmm. So it's like these two characters together that are, main, that are the main character, and which while that's interesting, I just don't know how it resolves. Like, right. They're not probably going to kill Baby Yoda. <laughs> well, I think it'd be really interesting to find out, and we may or may not ever find out, is like, was there an original plot for this show that got changed when Baby Yoda became such a phenomenon? Like, you know. It, we've talked about it before that it seems like they sort of tease us with the idea of like things could go really wrong <laughs> for yeah. for the child. And like, you know, was that originally, you know, part of what was supposed to happen here? And like, did plans get changed because, you know, every eight year old wanted 
baby Yoda plushies for Every Christmas year. Every 38-year-old one. <laughs> well, okay, that too, but... <laughs> so, I, I don't know. It, it's... I mean, it's Star Wars, so you sort of come into it with... Like, I always set the films up at a different level because they're the films, and that's sort of... And then the shows are sort of like, ah, it's Star Wars, but kind of not really. And this is trying, I think, to be sort of on par with the movies in terms of stature. Well, I mean, I think I'm not alone. For me, season one of The Mandalorian, like, it wasn't perfect, but it was the best Star Wars since, like, Empire Strikes Back for me. Like, yeah, I, I enjoy it. Like, I think we've talked about before that the episode where they're in that prison, like, and introducing mm-hmm. this, these kind of, that was all about the Mandalorian and building its own world. It maybe had a few callbacks to lore original trilogy stuff, but yep. it was new things. Mm-hmm. And this season really hasn't had much of that. The one Marshall guy on Tatooine. But other than that, really, like everyone he's bouncing into are folks from shows and movies we've we've seen before. Right. I don't know. It's it's certainly a choice. And there's only two episodes left, so I don't know how much they can get away from that. It seems like they're just leaning into it even more. Yeah, like I said just a few minutes ago, I I hope that we just we resolve whatever it is that Dave Filoni really needs to get off his chest about like some of those storylines he is creating and can move on to, you know, greener pastures and more of what we were enjoying of like let's introduce new new places and people and just occasionally cross paths with somebody that long term Star Wars fans appreciate. Yeah, maybe season two is like the tying up loose ends episode or the the season just to introduce a whole bunch of things. And in season three, they'll get back to something. Who knows? I mean, if they do, like, guess what? Greedo is not really dead in season three. I'm I'm probably out. <laughs> I, I think I'm out. Seriously, I think I'm out. If like Luke shows up and it's like, hey, on Disney Plus in 2022, it's the Luke Skywalker Academy. It's like, oh, no. Yeah. No, just just no. Yeah, I don't I don't see that just because I, I don't see Mark Hamill agreeing to do it. Oh, you, uh, are you insane? It's it's five years after Jedi, like they would have to de-age him. We've talked about the de-aging of Robert De Niro before on this. This like, just don't do it. Don't. Oh, I agree. Just don't. I, I I'm there with you. But if if there's like a CGI Snoke Emperor that is in a vat and it's like, give me the baby Yoda blood. It's like, no, please just stop. Now that something along those lines, I think you're almost inevitably going to get here. I mean, they've clearly been sort of angling towards that, uh, that bit of star Wars. So, so yeah, I, it's one of those things I want to enjoy, but I'm, I'm really having a hard time with it. <laughs> I mean, you, you subtly, you know, Metaclorians even made an appearance on the on the show. So they they didn't call him that. So to not get the um, trauma response of people that suffered through the prequels. But well, they, they, they talked about M count and we know what they're, uh, we know what you're talking about. We know what you're doing. We know what you're talking about. Well, it's funny. <laughs> I'm like, oh, Ahsoka or Thrawn or Bo-Katan or Boba Fett even. 
It's like, oh, I'm over that, but it's like the Kenobi, like, hey, bring back Hayden for to play Anakin. I'm all for it. <laughs> Please don't. So I'm picking and choosing my spots for fanboying out. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I really so I'm enjoyed... hypocritical. I, I enjoyed Rosario as Ahsoka. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with them doing that character, but do it in a different way. Do it where she, you cross paths with her in an episode and then maybe a season or two later she can you can cross paths with her again. Like I I don't want every single character that didn't really get resolved from Rebels and Clone Wars to show up and that's kind of what's happening. Well, and I I don't know if with COVID and production and it slows down everything, but it, are we going to get an Ahsoka Tano show? Are we going to get a Bo-Katan show or are they wanting to do that like they're doing the Marvel Cinematic Universe of like WandaVision's coming out soon, which looks awesome. That looks like it'll be really good. But are they trying to do that with Star Wars of having all these veins a- attached to the movies and the shows that have come before and taking these characters and branching them out? I don't know. Or maybe it's just a one off like you're talking I, about. I mean, I think the short answer to, the, to your question is yes, because they're not in the business of making citizen kane they're in the business of making money and so if they feel like it will make money it's gonna get made as long as the right people are are willing to do it i hope that they will do good shows i hope that the first season of mandalorian and how people really liked it kind of helped them make better decisions when it comes to handling star wars but there hasn't exactly been the world's greatest track (laughs) well and i worry and that, I mean, it would have to fall pretty precipitously, but for Mandalorian become the next Game of Thrones, where it had all this hype, all this really good following, and then it sort of just completely collapses on itself. I mean, endings are hard, Mike. We've talked about it before. Like, you often stories start out with some really great ideas and then how to really resolve those in a satisfying way is i think one of the most challenging things in telling any fictional story i mean uh to reference another one of your favorites i don't know are we i don't think we're ever going to get another uh, name of the wind book i feel like he just kind of doesn't know where to go with that i like the second one and i think he's, still, uh, he's raising a lot of money and he's he's turned into a show last i heard that was still going forward so yeah, I, I thought the second one, I mean, there's a lot of money counting. Yeah, that was a common concern about it. <laughs> but anyway, I didn't mean to bring up a whole other nerd topic. But well, and just, speak, uh, speaking of endings, you really have to be taking notes after this show about, you know, what is Rave Cave 5.0? How is the final stream going to come down? Because <laughs> you're going to have an audience and you need to make sure they're happy. I'm telling the story of life, Mike. So, you know, (laughs) it goes where it goes. So we will return probably to talk about the final two episodes of The Mandalorian next time. Uh, Maybe we're excited again. Maybe we're not. I don't know. I suspect that we're not. (laughs) I'm going to weigh in now that the way that this is going, that it's going to be like us talking about, well, I hope season three is more like season (laughs) one, but we'll see. (laughs) We are grumpy old men. (laughs) <laughs> and if it's you know it is childhood ruined i i connected with a, a good friend of mine from childhood and he's asked me about the mandalorian he's like oh you must be losing your mind boba fett again and i'm like eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, I, mean, I thought it's great they've they fixed 
what happened to Boba Fett and Jedi, and that's awesome. I'm like, yeah, I, I, it'd be cool if I thought that. But they didn't really fix it. it. They, I assume at some point we're going to find out, you know, what happened there. There was a comic that explained what happened, and I'm guessing they'll probably use that. That's kind of in the trend of the show was to pull stuff that's already from EU. been explained elsewhere yeah. that they kind of liked and made it part of the actual Star Wars story instead of a, a um, extended universe story. But again, like I do want to circle back to like. <laughs> Get your make some cookies or popcorn or whatever it is, and watch it through your your you know ten year old eyes as much as you can, rather than getting too upset about this stuff. Because you know it, no Star Wars ever, with maybe the exception of of Empire Strikes Back, maybe like they've none of them have been, you know. Great, great, um, you know, Academy Award filmmaking or stories like they're a com- combination of elements like good actors and blah, blah, that made for some really fun summer movies. And you you got to approach it like that. Well, no, I, I don't I'm not in a actively disliking the Mandalorian. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> So I'll use that with my son sometimes. Like I'm, I'm not mad. I'm just utterly disappointed. No, just so disappointed. <laughs> You're better than this. Stop uh, what you doing. No. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And we we have mutual friends in a group collectively known as Dagobah. And hopefully uh, our discussion didn't make them drive off the road as they're listening to this on their way to or from work. Not yet, but we're going to try, especially <laughs> if Grant doesn't cover his ears when I say don't like Clone Wars that much. <laughs> so we will be back, and you'll have more uh, streams to talk about. We'll definitely do another deep dive on your stream. Oh, God, that, nobody wants that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they do want to find your stream, how can they find it? So uh, twitch.tv backslash Booteus, B-O-O-T-E-U-S. But you can also just go to Twitch and search Booteus, and you'll see my annoying face and a crab. (laughs) It is a pretty money icon. (laughs) It's it's nice. That should be an emote. Totally unintentional. Like, I don't, I think I just chose that 10 years ago, you know, setting up my Twitch account. And now you can't change it. And now, like my name, I can't change it. Uh, so, yeah, you can find me there or uh, Geekzinga on Twitter. And I'm at the DM on Twitter, uh, where from time to time I just write random lamentations about the Mandalorian. And, like, a few people write back, like, no, no, I liked it. Or, like, yeah, I'm with you. And Right. It's, like, sort of out of context theater. It's like, hey, why did this happen in that show? And <laughs> it's me sort of tut-tutting and shaking my head. But I'll get over it. <laughs> that that oh. and a lot of Hades screenshots. Hang in there. Stay safe. Yep, you do the same. And uh, thanks all for listening. Yep. Night.